Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today for this part two? I am doing better than I was doing during the intro to part one. Is it because you, you listened to part one and that's why you're doing better now? It's because I, I listened to part one and the thought of Bill Thomas's voice, his eloquent olive oil dipped in velvet voice makes me uh, makes my day. Makes my week. Well, he's coming up here in part two, so you uh, you have a lot to look forward to. I'm excited. Check out the links in the show notes and join our Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live on Get Vocal. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. You, you were saying earlier that uh, Molly... Um, was always kind of fighting for the underdog and was sort of uh, kind of a, a goofy individual at times and, and very um, carefree. Uh, where did she get that? Where did she get that from? Where did she get that fighting for the underdog from? Was that something that came from your family? Oh, yes, absolutely. My parents um, are very uh, giving. My father started the first food program for students in schools in like the 70s in Baltimore. You know, they were always, my mom's a teacher. My mom's always, she worked with, she's a special ed teacher. She's worked with, um, you know, the mentally disabled even before she started teaching. They they always taught us that if we had something, we if we could afford two pairs of mittens, then we could, we should buy those and give, you know, that extra pair to someone on the bus or in school. I mean, we didn't have much, but if we could, you know, give one thing, we, we would always do that. And, you know, my parents love the Kennedys. And so, you know, they sort of aspired to like, I mean, we were middle-class people. We grew up in a ranch house. It was nothing fancy, but we were taught that we give back. Um, and that's what, just what we do. We, we have to make the world a better place. And so I do think that my parents infuse that in all of us. I, I can see that even in my brother, who's, you know, a rough and tumble guy working at the um, uh, uh, Department of Transportation, you know, but he's always out for those underdogs. And I'm proud of my brother about that. And, you know, my sister was the same way. She would have these um, special ed kids that would come into her um, art class and she would write them notes like, I'm so glad you're here today or we're going to have a great art class. And and they the, the aide that was with them would say, oh, they felt so comfortable because Molly would reach out to them and make them feel like they, you know, people wanted them there. And, you know, I'm proud of my sister for that, too. And that's that's how I want to be. I want to be like that. And I'm proud of my parents for teaching us that. And um, so I, I guess, you know, we just we try to live in Molly's spirit and, and her love and, and what she represented. And and that sort of guides guides me. What do you uh, you're in education? What's your what do you do in education? What, what do you teach? Well, I was a special ed teacher for a long time. Mm hmm. And then I, um, I started working with this fifth grade student and I started worrying about what is going to happen to my kids after they graduate high school. And um, so I, I just kind of became interested in like these college programs that they had. And I work with like Down syndrome kids or kids with Williams syndrome or autism. And so I felt like my kids were so, had so much potential and just didn't fit in that, you know, box passing the MCAS and, but they could do so many things if we could just, you know, include them and get them to that point. So I, I ended up getting my doctorate at Northeastern in um, curriculum leadership and specializing in um, transition services for those kids, like moving from 18 to 22. And so now I work at a college on the Cape and we do vocational training for students um, with intellectual disabilities. 
and is the best job in the entire world. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel bad bragging about it because I love going to my job every day. No, and, um, that's great. And the, and my kids, like, they are just so awesome. They they want to be part of everything. They want to have fun. They want to do. They want to succeed. I mean, and they, um, if you could ever, if you ever are looking for a Netflix movie, there's this great movie called um, Love on the Spectrum. So good, but it reminds me of my students and. And they just bring me so much joy. And literally, I think, um, I don't know if I could have done any other job with this heaviness weighing on me. I mean, I've been so fortunate that I get to go to school and my kids just cheer me up. They're just, they're so honest and they are so generally happy that you're invested and wanted, want to do some fun stuff with them. Um, that it's just makes for a great day. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I know. I get, I get on a tangent on that too. <laughs> No, that's great. <laughs> just pop the uh, link in there to Netflix uh, if anyone wants to watch that. <laughs> love on, love on the spectrum. I love it. Such a good movie. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about the foundation, uh, the Molly Bish Foundation? Yeah. Sure. Uh, so my parents started it, you know, very shortly after Molly start Molly disappeared, um, with really our close friends and the Peranians on the kitchen table and it was just going to be a small organization. Um, the reason was Molly, um, like two days after Molly disappeared, they asked us for a head and photos sh shot of Molly and we didn't have one. We, my parents, she was a third kid. They didn't even know where their camera was. They're like pictures. Like we have like prom pictures and like pictures of her with, you know, all this clown makeup on or whatever she was doing, but they didn't really have a recent, and shoulders picture and because molly like cut her hair and and, and um colored her hair so much they were, they were like we need you know a real good shot so we then learned that one in six children is recovered with a good you know photo so that's really how the foundation started um just being able to talk about the importance of this um and provide those um child id kits my dad wanted them to be pocket size so parents could keep them in their pocket or in their um car um, glove compartment and it would have it would have their fingerprints not um, necessarily as important I think as the picture was with the recovery rate um, for a reaction right away but it also gave you tools to talk about safety with your kids like what are some rules like we need to have a word that only our family knows so you know you're only going with these people when you get picked up somewhere or you know only walking in pairs and you know just practicing these just simple adjustments to our life um, unfortunately. But um, from there, it's grown to my parents doing legislative work and, um, and you know, in 2007, my father had a stroke. Um, so from there, I kind of took over a lot of his responsibilities. My mom was taking care of him. Um, so she does some, some speaking events, but very minimally now. And so, that, so I've sort of taken over um, most of that. But we, we're really concentrating on the legislative work right now and just um, speaking to law enforcement groups, uh, I think is impactful because sharing your story makes a difference. Um, I think hearing those stories and, you know, I try to talk about some of the other um, families as well, because I feel like, again, I have this platform where I can share this. So, and, and it's not just about Molly. I'm not even sure that familial DNA will solve Molly's case. And that's not my goal. My goal is that it solves someone's case. Maybe it's Patty Gagne's, maybe it's Holly Crane's. I'm not sure, but if it solves somebody's, that makes it worth it. Do you get a lot of requests 
uh, from family members who have lost siblings or parents who have lost children? Um, once in a while, not not too often. Yeah. Um, more law enforcement groups want to hear. Oh, really? Yeah, and like, it's well, usually it's usually the women that invite me. Just sign up. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. That's interesting. What? Where do you get invited? Who wants to know? Like, and what do they want to know? Like sheriffs associations, um, search and rescue groups. Uh, okay. Sex offender registry groups. Just for generalized. Usually, I'm like part of a larger training, and I just talk about uh, victimology and like really looking at the behavior of victims, thinking about victims differently. And the impact on on victims and secondary victims, as you said before, you know, it's, you know, I know what I go through. Like I, I, I like if you could just like see me like an X-ray, you would see I have three brain aneurysms in my head. I am on three blood pressure medications. I started being on blood pressure medications when I was thirty. Look in my stomach; I have bruises all over my stomach. It's all stress. It's all like I remember thinking my brain was going to explode trying to solve a murder, and trying to talk to the police. Like. It is so physically um, impactful that um, I don't think people really understand that. That's fascinating. I've never heard anyone describe it as like an x-ray of themselves. That's That gives a real clear picture. Did you ever hear the book, The Body um, Keeps the Score? It's all about this trauma expert talking about how the body holds trauma, even if you're like, okay, which pretty much feel like I'm okay, you know? I'm functioning, I got a good job, I'm doing okay, but I'm still take, you know, I'm still dealing with this. I'm still having to talk about who killed my sister. I'm still wondering, I'm still looking over my shoulder who did it. You know, I'm still talking to the police. I'm still taking tips and talking to people and then giving it to the police. Like it's just a lot to do as a side gig and a personal And just being a part of the true crime community, everybody who's in this uh, chat room right now is is really uh, caring and compassionate. And, you know, we know all of these people here, but there's a, a section of people that are in it for reasons where it's, you know, they don't get that. They they don't understand that that the damage it's doing. Like you you can't physically see the damage and, and it just keeps it, you know, it keeps pounding away. And it, you know, time almost makes it worse because it's, you know, it's like a, it's like a countdown. And I wish that there was some way that people, I don't know, people could understand that a little better, that there was some sort of program before you get into, you know, citizen detecting and, and, and all that, like go through this program and understand how damaging it is. That's why it's important to talk to victims. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. remember once. Um, going to an Anna Maria victim ceremony, right? At Anna Maria College, there's a Motley Bish Center over there. And the, and the state police colonel, I will not name, at the time, um, you know, led the talk and then literally walked out while all the victims went up to speak. So there's like five victims, and myself was included, um, but he literally walked out and he took like seven police officers with him. And, and I'm standing there and I'm like, I can't believe the state police colonel just walked out when the victims are supposed to speak at a victim ceremony you're not listening and you're not hearing you're not knowing and if you don't know you're not acting responsibly and that's that's all i want them to understand it's yeah, really sounds, important sounds a little petty um 
in that case. I don't know what what that was all about. That's wild. Um, I think that's on YouTube. You could Google that. Really? There's tons of press there. It was. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Looking back in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Hey, uh, just a, just sort of off topic, uh, not really off topic, but do you know Bill Thomas? Um, just um, through people. Everyone knows Bill Thomas through people. You've never actually, <laughs> you've never actually met him. No, no, oh, man. I, I think my dream interview is you and Bill Thomas. I think I I could probably listen to that for seven hours. <laughs> yeah, Bill. Um, Bill lost his sister. Um. Uh, a while ago, we've we've had him on. He's a uh, he's a great uh, sibling advocate as well um, for his sister's case and uh, the Colonial Parkway murders. Oh yes. Um, and yeah, I wanted to mention the uh, the blue ribbon campaign that uh, that is happening with uh, Maura Murray's family. I know we we mentioned that right before we started uh, broadcasting here, and uh, I I think that's great. And uh, when I signed the petition today, uh, Heather, you you had mentioned that that you did too. That's great. And uh, if everyone out there can sign that petition, that would be great. And uh, have you had uh, contact with uh, the Murray family in the, in the past? Not for a lot, not for a long time. I think yeah. um, initially we met the dad, um, but not not for quite some time. This case is rolling old too now, you know. Right, I know. Well, well, getting getting up there. Yeah, and Tom Shamshack uh, worked on more Murray's case as well, um, to some degree. I know. I'm not sure. Right, exactly. and I think we have a mutual friend, um, Dr. Anne Marie Myers, who's worked on both of our cases. She was the forensic anthropologist that worked at the at the time when we um, was recovered. She worked at the medical examiner's office. So she, we were so fortunate because she wasn't a forensic anthropologist. She designed it in a grid by grid search. So that was really the reason why we were able to recover so many bones. Uh, so she's amazing, uh, a fantastic wealth of information. Um, and yeah, so she's, she's worked, um, trying to design, but like look for, um, Mora in, in certain sites. So yeah, she's a great asset for, for them. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I know it's a small world in this, world nobody wants to belong to. It really I don't is. Know what you guys are doing here, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but really. I appreciate, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. We appreciate, uh, you, um, you know, talking with us and, and, you know, really helping us understand this experience too. Um, and I don't know, helping to raise awareness for obviously for Molly's case, but for, for, for cases everywhere and for secondary victims everywhere, you know, and and just the understanding of, of secondary victims and the trauma that that causes when, when you were talking about like how your family came together to do all this, there's the exact opposite story that Tim and I recently heard with, uh, the, the murder of Dean Webster in upstate New York and we spoke to his sister Sandy and this happened in 2001 2001 I think this is November of 2001 where he was he was murdered outside of the house that he was building in a small town in New York Vermont Uh, Rochester Vermont oh oh, Vermont sorry Sorry, Rochester (laughs) Vermont yeah and um there's so many I'm sorry I get them confused Uh, I know they're all all the cases we do are northeast pretty much yeah um so so he was and it was just it was just like a, a very unexpected crime and and we were talking to his sister and and she started to to break down during the conversation and the part she started to break down about was how her family started to almost distrust each other after that happened 
when when th when this happens, I mean, even in Molly's case, you know, we knew like my mom, my brother, and my my dad, obviously. But we, you start looking at your neighbors and you know the coaches, and you're looking at this teacher talked to Molly inappropriately. I mean, you literally start. It, it is, and you know, our family was so small. It's my brother, my mom, and dad. <laughs> And my, you know, my sister, my mom's family lives in uh, Michigan. My dad is an only child. So we were just really small. And all we could do was get together on these Fridays. We call them Fragile Fridays. And, you know, we were all in our different places, but we kind of came together on those Fridays. And, you know, sometimes we talked about it and sometimes we didn't. And sometimes we fought and sometimes we, you know, cried. And most of the time we just were normal. And we're trying to be normal in a very um, tough situation where everything doesn't feel normal. Like, how do you do this? How do you go to work? How do you, you know, I have a, a friend who was in fourth grade when his sibling was abducted and he went back to fourth grade and all the kids were saying, well, I would have punched him here and I would have knocked that guy out. And he, his brother was literally abducted when he was riding his bike next to him, you know, and they all had to get on the ground. It was terrible. But all the kids went back and said, you know, I would have done this and I would have done that. And I think, you know, you, how, how do you deal with that? Like no one expects that. I mean, people, I used to go shopping after and people would say, Oh, you're Molly Bishop's sister. And they would start crying to me in the middle of, you know, the mall. It was weird. Um, so it, it is, it's a, it's a weird place to be. We have a, uh, we have about five or six minutes left, but do you think we could, um, get uh bill on the uh fourth screen here because i mean he's talking about you know that happened in some of the colonial parkway murders families just splintered i'm really interested to hear what what he has to say about that and what happened with his family grab that spot bill do it <laughs> sure we'll uh unlock it here for bill yeah that that is an absolute uh th that is one of the most tragic elements uh lance that uh I, I think that that it tears families apart and sometimes makes people um, look over their shoulders and not trust uh, their own family members. It's that's got to be one of the saddest things that that I've heard. Uh, well, yeah, sad and infuriating too, because you have someone who just stole a life, one life, but but that power that that person has at that point stole one life, but has like. You, has stolen countless other lives who are just those people are just still alive you know what i mean like this person has has ripped apart so much just by doing this one act and the power there has to be intoxicating and and it infuriates me and there's bill thomas and i feel better <laughs> <laughs> well hey everybody hey heather oh my I god know. that voice Nice to meet you in person. Nice to meet you as well. We're going to meet in Worcester, I think. All right. Sounds good. Well, you said at midpoint, so I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll Worcester is midpoint. Out. See, Wormtown shows up all the time. We have. No, we they still, set this thing up. We still have a Commodia studio that, that you guys can swing by. <laughs> no one's been there in months. No, the, <laughs> the mail is literally probably bursting through the door right now. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> Heather and I were talking about a midpoint because I'm in Connecticut and she's on the Cape. And then she said, I think you have a, a statewide coordinator or another another person you wanted me to meet who sounded yeah. amazing. Actually, Dr. Myers. Oh, cool. Uh, and I, I, 
I've so enjoyed this conversation and uh, <laughs> writing down ideas and, and, you know, your <laughs> movies we should see and books we should read. And I'm writing, right. writing them all down. <laughs> if you wanted me to comment on the splintering effect, yeah. there's also, there's also something else too in a situation like Molly's where uh, there could be suspicion. I totally get that. And then in the Colonial Parkway murders uh, families, there wasn't necessarily suspicion of family member involvement necessarily. But sadly, uh, I've seen in our case and in others, just families fall apart. They, the, the pain is so excruciating and it either builds you up or it destroys you. And I, we've seen people in our case, I mean, there's no way around this. Drugs, alcohol, depression. We've lost parents who've died young because of the stress of the thing. It's funny, <laughs> you were talking about blood pressure medication, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, these, these things are real. And there wasn't the, the pall of suspicion that there might be with, with some unsolved cases, and I totally get that too, because if you think about it, you know, we've got 150 persons of interest in our case alone. Well, I'd say probably 148 of those people probably had nothing to do with the Colonial Parkway murders. But in on some level, those people are still looked at, you know, kind of askance. And then family members, you know, they blame themselves. We've had people... Um, you know, couples have fallen apart, divorce. I mean, the whole thing, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly stressful for, for survivors, in my opinion. I, I just, uh, you know, the proverbial cap is off to you too, because I, I, I mean, I don't, it's never happened to me. I've experienced loss in my family, but it's been natural causes. It's, it's never been something where someone's just taken something. And and I get so mad hearing this. Like I and I can't uh, like give you guys enough credit and enough respect be, for what you do and just you know being open and honest, even about like if you were to take an X ray of, of me, this is what you'd see. You know, you're not putting up this air of like it's all together. I got it together. You know, like why would you do that? Like you have to show how damaged you are in order to make progress, so people can see how bad this really is. So anyway, caps off to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I don't think either one of us would ever claim that uh, it's perfect and we're totally together and, you know, my family would tell you different, you know. Bill, you're perfect. Yeah. Bill, you're perfect. Don't even. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my trail of broken marriages. <laughs> this is actually not uh, my magic with David Allen Boucher. This is, uh... It felt like it, though. <laughs> it does feel like it every time Bill uh, opens his mouth. No, 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 no. <laughs> no and, and it's funny. I see other people commenting here, you know, in the, the message scroll. And, you know, uh, I can identify it's, this is incredibly stressful. Heather, I thought you were very generous when you were talking about um, members of law enforcement and how incredibly <laughs> stressful those, those jobs are, which they are. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, I really think we need to think about that as we're putting a bill together for these guys, you know, like, I don't know, but I think they deserve some support too. You know, that's, 
a yep. tough job, no, and you're not getting paid enough to go, you know, get shot at or deal with some crazy domestic violence case or something. I mean, and you know, I I truly believe that there needs to be elements of social work and police work, but I am afraid um, for the victims of domestic violence. Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, yeah. we still need those. The, the 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 root of it goes back so many years in law enforcement. It's the I, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, be the cliche guy that says, like, the toxic masculinity of the whole thing. But that's where it comes from. That's what it is. It's it's you know, if you're in that position of power and you are administering justice the way you're told to do so in law enforcement, then you don't have any business uh, being weak. And if you're going to see some sort of counseling, what that's what do you no, I don't want you as my partner. If you're if if you're gonna maybe, you know, lose your lose your edge, like you know, and that's that horrible, horrible stereotype and that stigma that just comes with it. And I have a lot of respect for law enforcement. I have family members who are in law enforcement, but I saw it. Like I, I see it. It's like I don't want to see your collection of guns. Like, I want you to talk to me like a human being. Right. And there, there is a lot of social work that goes in there. I mean, most of the people that are getting arrested are dealing with their own traumas. Yeah. Like, so what if we dealt with that instead of just continuing to throw them in jail? And I don't know. I mean, I think we know all this. It's just implementing it and, you know, coming together with the right people. You, you guys are on the right path. Yeah, you really are. And, uh, and if someone made Bill and I in charge of everything, like, <laughs> yeah, <come on. laughs> I mean, fix it. <laughs> oh my God, that's a presidential ticket, Bish Thomas. <laughs> Bish Thomas, is it too late? Is it too late for twenty twenty? Bish Thomas, twenty twenty. I don't think so. Right here, get vocal. We're making the announcement. It's not too late for Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can't be too late for us. <laughs> yeah, I think we got it. Yeah, I think, I think it's a shoe in. <laughs> well, this has been uh, been an incredible night, um, everyone. Thank you so much. Another hour went by. Did another hour go by? Yeah, it, it did, and very quickly. My yeah. goodness. Uh, thank you so much, Heather. Bill, thank you so much for jumping on. Thank you to everyone in the chat room on social media who's listening on podcast feed or wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate that. If anybody wants to support your bill, Heather. Oh, that's funny. Not not Bill, Thomas. I mean, the bill. <laughs> if anybody need, wants to support you in your cause, where where would you direct them to go? Um, I would direct them to go to Senator Gobi. Uh, let's see, Ann Gobi. I think it's Ann Go. Dot go uh, forget it. Her email. Yeah, her email, and just let her know that you support this bill. Um, like I said, right now it's it, they're, they're working on the editing. I'm pretty sure they won't get it done by next week, so I think we'll need to refile in the fall. But. Um, Again, I'm hopeful because I'm hopeful that there's more we can do. We can continue to have these conversations about police training and police support and, um, you know, maybe some infusion of some uh, mixed groups in there, like social workers. I don't know. Very good. It's a great call. All right. Well, uh, the link there is in the message board to SenatorAnnGobi.com. Thank you. She has her, uh, her own website. Good. 
It's big time. <laughs> she really knows Squarespace. That sign <laughs> awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank, thank you. you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Heather, Bill. Thank nice you. Nice to meet you, Bill. All Good right. To see you too. Take care. And we'll see you guys in uh, in Wormtown. University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.